It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. You going Deadspin much, Tom? Not a big Deadspin guy, no. Tim Ben's in for Adam. Well, tell me why. I just don't really find their style of reporting, if you can even call it reporting. Uh, I'm not talking about from a reporting point of view. Do you ever just... Well, that's where I saw the, the bull that ran into the wall. No, no, I take Deadspin. that back. No, I'm sorry. I take that back. I saw that on Barstool Heartland. That's where Barstool's I where I go a lot. Okay, so you feel like you go to Barstool more than Deadspin because Barstool does what it does without the... Um, I don't know. The masking of we're trying to break news and be journalists here. Uh, kind of. Is that what you're saying? It's like, a little more informal over at Barstool, but it's on purpose. There's this veil like of we're important, but we're also snarky and funny that goes along with Deadspin yes. that you don't like? Yes. Okay, that's that's fair. That's accurate, actually. Um, but kind of to that to that exact point, okay, like, I'll go to Deadspin because, you know, they got funny videos, they got funny clips, you know, they're useful for me for the stuff that I do for Breakfast for Ben's. They cultivate this stuff they gather this stuff and I'll, I'll be entertained when i'm on their page but the site exists as much for that as it does to shame any and all straight white males like that that's that's the primary reason for its existence wouldn't you say is to, if you are a straight white male you you have to know that you're coming there to be shamed that's fair the self-loathing that exists for all of those who are straight white males who may or may not work there to put that shame for being who you are and all of us who come, who are the primary consumer of said site, it's very ironic, wouldn't you say? Yes. To that end, they put together this post here, all right? It's uh, their mailbag thing. And somebody said, what are the greatest of all time in everything? Give us all of the greatest all time. So like football, baseball, basketball, everything. And then they go into other things like best composer, Beethoven, painting, Picasso, book, Moby Dick. Comedy, Richard Pryor, Holiday, Thanksgiving, like stuff like that. So it gets a little goofy. Okay, fine. Fun way to burn fun, a post. Yeah. Okay, it's fine. But like this, this is this is why Deadspin has burned on some people because of this. Okay, so they go uh, football, baseball, and hockey. Brady, Ruth, Gretzky. All right, not not much argument there. I wouldn't right? say Babe Ruth, but the other two are fair. Who would you say? Uh, Barry Bonds. Okay. The, well, they have to shame for the steroids. Oh, you're there. right. You're right. This is Deadspin. <laughs> How could I forget? Right. Now, the only thing surprising about this is, like, all three are, to the best of my knowledge anyway, straight white males. Yes. <laughs> okay. Here's where it goes. Boxing Ali, fine. They go, this, this is the Deadspin part of it. This is what Deadspin does. Tennis, Serena. Then for basketball, they differentiate between men and women. Because you can't just say that Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time without saying that Tamika Catchings is the greatest women's basketball player of all time. But you can say that Serena is the greatest tennis player of all time without mentioning Federer. Because you can do that. You know, like that. that's where they burn on me. It's Classic stuff like that, pandering to the left thing that they do. Um then they go into rock, Elvis, okay, pop, Michael Jackson, country, who gives a bleep? Because straight white males listen to country. So, like, let's let's burn them there. And then they get to acting. They just put in one word, streep. Because that's what you do. When you pander, you pander to Meryl Streep, right? She's a treasure. And you just say it with just one word, streep. That's just so dead spinny to it, present it like that. Am I right? It wasn't actress and actor. No, it was just, just acting. acting. It was acting. And it was just street. So you like 
because you don't want to say De Niro because that's too mainstream white or male. Nicholson or, or anybody like no, that. No, can't do that. Can't do it. Tom Hanks, get out of here. Just give me Denzel if you want to. <laughs> I mean, if you want to do it, give me Denzel. I like Training Day. I like Glory. Give me Denzel. But like, and it got me thinking. What is the last movie you really liked from Meryl Streep? Like, did you see the post? I don't know if I like any movie that I've seen from Meryl like, Streep. Because yeah. actually, it hit me while I was watching the post. I saw it because this reminded me of. I saw the post. The post was good. I never saw it. It was great. It wasn't great. It was. It was good. But her performance was just. Eh, I mean, like, there wasn't that well-rounded or deep of a character or anything like that. I went back. Stop me. Stop me when you've heard of the last Meryl Streep movie that you have seen. Okay. But then again, you are, to the best of my knowledge, straight? Straight white male. Straight yes. white male. Okay, just making sure. I mean, this shirt thing kind of makes me wonder. off, yeah. yeah. Uh, Big Little Lies is TV. That doesn't count. All right. Florence Foster Jenkins. I mean, I heard of it, but I didn't see it. The Guardian Brothers. No. She was the narrator. No. Ricky and the Flash. No. Into the Woods. No. I mean, I've seen the play. I didn't see the movie. The Giver. Read the book. The Homesman. August Osage County. No. Hope Springs. Nope. The Iron Lady. Nope. It's Complicated. Nope. Julie and Julia. No. Doubt. No. Mamma Mia. Yes. I saw Mamma okay, Mia. Okay, we're back to 2008. We're back to Mike Tomlin's Super Bowl year. Okay, so <laughs> for all this talk that we had earlier in the show about how Mike Tomlin has let down the uber-talented Steelers, it took us that long to get down to a Meryl Streep movie that you have recognized. Like, for, we, that's just something that we say. You ever notice that in, like, discourse and dialogue? You just say Meryl Streep's the greatest. When's the last time you actually had a conversation about a Meryl Streep movie that anybody you know actually liked, saw, enjoyed, or can remember anything about? Exactly. But she just shows up and you give her an Oscar. That's kind of how it works. But, like I just said, I know two Denzel movies like that. Uh, you know, De Niro, Nicholson, The Shining... Godfather 2, Raging, Raging Bull, Bull yeah. Pacino, Godfather, you know, come on. It's just, it, I, I hate pandering for pandering's sake, and that's what they do. All right, now to that point, I'll pander to Ben Roethlisberger fans, which is not something I normally do, by the way. You know, I'm, I'm not one who's afraid to give Ben crap when he deserves it, and I think that Ben deserves more crap for stuff that he does, what he says off the field versus how he plays on it. There were moments where he deserved it this year. The two games against Jacksonville, I don't think he was great, particularly early on against Jacksonville in the playoff game and throughout the entire game against Jacksonville. But what David Carr wrote this week was just asinine. Uh, from the NFL Network, David Carr, kind of in correspondence with the whole reveal of the top 100 voted off by the players, the um, parallel piece that they ran was Carr putting out his top 10 quarterbacks. And there's an obvious gap in how he's evaluating the quarterbacks versus how the players are evaluating the quarterbacks. Because there were four guys in the top 10. Was it Breeze, Rodgers, Brady, and Carson Wentz were in the top 10 of quarterbacks in the NFL based on the player vote. Wilson was number 11. Ben was 18. So Ben's still in the top 10. Now, I would argue that Ben is still better than Russell Wilson. I would put Ben no further down the list than five. He's still a top five quarterback in my eyes. In fact, if you looked at a lot of the numbers, 
Ben's numbers were better than Russell Wilson's last year. Not all of them, but many of them. A lot of the key ones, a lot of the important ones. And the immediate comeback is, oh, well, Russell Wilson had a crappy offensive line. The running game was down to support him. Ben's got A.B. Ben's got Le'Veon Bell. Okay. If I give you Ben Roethlisberger and put him on the Seahawks, do you think they win an extra game or two? If I put Russell Wilson on the Steelers, do you think they're 15-1 and or beat the Patriots? Because I, I don't. Like, I, I have no... I have no lock faith that if you switch quarterbacks, the fortunes of the Steelers would be worse or better based on Russell Wilson taking over for Ben. I have more confidence that they would lose a game or two than I do confidence they would win an additional game or two if you put Wilson on the Steelers in place of Ben Roethlisberger. Like, I, I don't think the Steelers beat the Patriots if Wilson is there instead of Ben. Something tells me if I put Ben on the Seahawks, they win an extra game or two last year and make the playoffs. Just my guess. Just my gut. And I could point to a couple numbers that would suggest that, especially when Ben was playing with lesser teams that didn't have A.B. and Le'Veon Bell. But at least the players put him in the top 20. At least it's debatable if you want to put him in the top five in front of or behind Russell Wilson. But what David Carr said was nuts. Here's his explanation. He had Ben out of the top 10. That there are 10 quarterbacks in the league better than Ben Roethlisberger. If anybody wants to agree with that, go ahead. 412-922-2874. Why is Ben Roethlisberger off my list? Yes, he's a future Hall of Famer, and there's no doubt that he can still help the Steelers. But he has the most talented skill players in the league on his unit, and that pair, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, makes him look great for 14 seasons. I don't think ben, Big Ben could win a ton of games without them at this stage in his career. So this is one of these situations where you're penalizing a player for having good talent around him. And again, I want to ask some of these quarterbacks that he put in front of him, they include the three that people are mad about are Garoppolo, Rivers, and Newton. And those are the ones that I debate too, because it's just too early to say that about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he will be someday, but I'm not going to base that over one-third of a season, basically, of starting last year for the San Francisco 49ers. There's not, Everybody wants to put Phil Rivers in the same category as Roethlisberger and just blame everybody else in the Chargers. Well, how about Rivers and whatever his onus or responsibility is for not doing exactly what David Carr is pontificating here? Carr is pontificating that if you took away the talent from Roethlisberger, he'd just be Phil Rivers. But you're going to put Phil Rivers in front of him for being Phil Rivers. What sense does that make? And then there's Cam Newton. I'd put Newton in the top ten, but I wouldn't put him in front of Ben. You know, he's he's a better athlete at this point than Roethlisberger, sure, but I don't know, whose decision-making do you trust more in a two-minute drill with or without Antonio Brown or... Le'Veon Bell. Ben Roethlisberger over Cam Newton all day for me. So I I just I disagreed vehemently with what I saw there. And is this a hot take for the sake of getting a hot take? Maybe. Is this baiting a national fan base so you get more clicks? Probably. But when it comes to who was saying it in David Carr, all I'm thinking is when you try to make this argument is that you took way too many hits to the head when you were playing behind an expansion offensive line in Houston. Because this is friggin' stupid. 
Like you can't just assume that Garoppolo is better than Ben Roethlisberger. You can't just assume that Ben is going to stink without those guys. When Oh, by the way, what game were we just referencing before? That Denver game two years ago when he didn't have A.B., when he didn't have Le'Veon Bell. What, he's lost that much in two years? There's nothing to really indicate that statistically. And he got them to within the fifth-string running back fumbling against the Denver defense to winning in Denver with a bad arm and getting to the Super Bowl. So if you want to talk about the hypothetical of taking those guys away, there's some tangible evidence that I could give you against a great defense where Ben largely did enough to help them win that game under adverse circumstances. Um, Now, I hated what he did on the audible on the fourth and one, throwing it deep into the end zone where it got intercepted. That's a Ben decision that counters what I said. But big picture-wise, the crux of his argument is you take away Bell and you take away A.B. from Ben and he's not that good anymore. I, I just... I don't assume that any of those three other guys are going to make the Steelers better than 13-3 and in that situation, whatever record you want to give them, because those guys are there. 412-922-2874, or tweet me, at Tim Benz, PGH. Okay, uh, we, we played the Lev clips, right, earlier today, about what he has, had to say after he was revealed. We've got to play the A-B ones more so for comedic value than we've got to play them for actual newsworthiness, like was the case with Le'Veon Bell. We'll do that when we come back. Tim Ben's in for Adam. Hold on, i got to get this read up here. We're supposed to give stuff away, right? Yeah. Uh, here's what I'm going to give away. I'm going to give away a pair of tickets to the All-Star Craft Beer, Wine, and Cocktail Festival at PNC Park on Saturday, August the 11th. 412-922-2874. Uh, we got two two winners here. we got to give away two. I was supposed to do this yesterday, and no one told me. So the first two people, and Tom, I guess you're just going to have to believe people when they say this since you've never seen a Meryl Streep movie. The first two people to call, 412-922-2874, that can give Tom a Meryl Streep movie. And you're just going to have to take their word for it, basically. And I will tell you if you have given away the beer to the wrong person or not, all right? Because she's a treasure. Sounds fair. And she owns acting. So all you have to do is call the main line. Tom will pick you up, and you just have to give him the name of a Meryl Streep film. And if you are accurate in giving him a Meryl Streep film, then you win the beer. Uh, It's a pair of tickets to the All-Star Craft Beer, Wine, and Cocktail Festival at PNC Park, Saturday, August the 11th. And uh, you just got to call 412-922-2874. First two callers in win. And we'll do this again tomorrow. And apparently I was derelict of my duties of doing this yesterday, and I've been scolded not doing it but i didn't know like what am i like a master adam crowley show email server list am i a part of that no not my fault but meryl streep is a treasure all right uh so we played earlier a couple sound bites from Le'Veon bell if you missed it uh bell said during the big reveal of the nfl's top 100 that he 
is still optimistic that he's going to get a contract done with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He also said that he's going to catch more balls this year than he is going to get running the football. And I think that's an important thing to look at because it's smart if you want to keep the running back. Like That is a pipe dream for Bell to assume at this point he's actually going to get a contract here in Pittsburgh, but I'm sure he wants what he said to be true because if it is true, it's going to be less wear and tear on his body. He's not going to be slammed into by defensive linemen or linebackers, and he's going to be able to run over smaller defensive backs or juke, get to the sidelines, and uh, frankly, the hits that he takes will in all likelihood be less than what he's getting if he's trying to grind through 300 and 250 uh, pound guys in the front seven. So I get why he wants to think that. I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but it would be wise for the Steelers, too, to go more of that route if they plan on keeping him. So if you want to keep peeling away at why there might be some merit to what he's saying, that's it. But let's not get too crazy. It might just be Bell saying what he hopes as opposed to what he really thinks will happen. Uh, The other funny thing that he said, if you missed this, was the Steelers have to do a better job of not looking ahead to whoever's next on the schedule. This from the guy who sent the tweet out saying that the Steelers were going to play the Patriots in a rematch before the Jacksonville game. Uh, What was it, like nine hours before kickoff or whatever? Dumb. At least Lev admitted that he had to do a better job more than anybody in that regard. But still, it was just a rambling explanation of how, on the one hand, the Jaguar loss in the regular season was the only loss where they really got beaten, and the other two, even the Patriots, was, quote, inexcusable. And then that was the team he chose to look past in the AFC playoffs. I mean, you talk about a disconnect there. Uh, before we get to the A-B bites, do we have, did we have two people that actually named Meryl Streep films? We got it. Mike from Pittsburgh named The Post, and Jeff from New Kensington named The Devil Wears Prada. Jeff shouldn't know that, but he did. And they're both accurate. No, they're they, both right. And they win the tickets. So congratulations. And she is a treasure. She is acting. You can drink as much beer as possible and then... Get a Meryl Streep movie on your DVR or on Netflix or whatever, and then that way possibly you could enjoy it. Now, we got to play the A-B sound bites, though. There's less news value here, for sure, than what was with the Le'Veon Bell bites. But they're funnier, so we have to play them. All right, this is, this is A-B being asked, and I think it was Jalen Ramsey and Michael Irvin who were doing the interviewing at this point. Ramsey was a couple spots in front of Roethlisberger. I think Ramsey was like 14th on the list. He was definitely he was the highest cornerback on the list, and I think he was like 14th overall. And he was chapped that there were no cornerbacks in the top 10. If there was one, it should be him. He's right about that. So they start interviewing AB after he's revealed as the number two player overall in the National Football League, only behind Tom Brady. And they asked about Lev's absence, and this is what AB had to offer. Well, Le'Veon Bell's a juice. Uh, you need juice. You know, I drink juice first thing when I get up in the morning on juice. And when the game gets sick and it's on the line, I'm in the back, I'm in the other side. Juice, we need you. Juice, you got the bag of oranges. And he's a guy who's affectionate. He's infectionist, Tom. That in, the enthusiasms are infectionist from Lev Bell. I do like the bags of oranges references. Like, do, do we do that anymore? Do little soccer kids do the bags of oranges anymore? Is that, like, outdated? Because we have science and technology and energy drinks now. I think we should all go back to old school orange slices. AB is right on that. That is an infectious idea from Antonio Brown. 
Okay, now then there's this, because he was asked a similar question by Michael Irvin that Kurt Warner had asked of Lev Bell, which was the changeover from Todd Haley to um, Randy Fittner, the offensive well, We player. got a great guy, Randy Fitcher. He's been around for a long time. He's not new. Uh, he know we do well. Uh, he know what, uh, some things we can work on and some things we can get better. But uh, we in great hands with him. Uh, he's been around a long time and seen the game a long time. He's approachable. Uh, you could come to him. Uh, he don't react under a tough situation. So I'm excited about the start on the Randy venture. <laughs> All right, so there's this thing about right And you've noticed this, Tom, right? That it's Feetner or Fitner, right? It's either one, yeah. I'll kind of try to cut it in half and do a little bit of both. It's kind of like Connor Sherry or Sherry, right? But Feetner or Fitner is closer than what A.B. did either time there. Can you hit that one again and play that one one more time? Well, we got a great guy, Randy Fitcher. He's been around for a long time. He's not new. Uh, he know what we do well. Uh, he know what, uh, some things we can work on and some things we can get better. But uh, we in great hands with him. Uh, he's been around a long time and seen the game a long time. He's approachable. Uh, you could come to him. Uh, he don't react under a tough situation. So I'm excited about the start on the Randy Fitcher. Do you get the impression, as I do, that A.B. met him for the first time at OTAs? Either that or that they, that they spoke for the first time at OTAs. Or they still haven't met yet, and he's just reading his name off like a note in his phone. Or when Jalen Ramsey asked him the question, it was the first time that A.B. was aware that Todd Haley wasn't there anymore. Right, and it, it, the last time he drops Fickner's name, it sounds like he's reading it off well, the no, He's I like, Randy you, no, no, no. Feechner. <laughs> You're right, that's how it's out. Play it. You're right. People like, okay, have that image in your head. Go ahead, play it again. Well, we got a great guy, Randy Fitcher. He's been around for a long time. He's not new. Uh, he know what we do well. Uh, he know what, uh, some things we can work on and some things we can get better. But uh, we in great hands with him. Uh, he's been around a long time and seen the game a long time. He's approachable. Uh, you could come to him. Uh, he don't react under a tough situation. So I'm excited about the start on the Randy venture. I can guarantee you he's not reading from an old card because it was FaceTime. You could see him. He was like laying. He wasn't at a Benny Hanna like Lev was for his. He was just laying back and like what looked like an easy chair. Or maybe he was at Cam Newton's house. What the hell was going on with that today? I don't on know. Social I media. think it was last night that that was came it last out. night. Is he last night or so early? So maybe they were morning. watching the big reveal together, together then. I guess. Yeah. No, was was Cam in the top ten? Cam wasn't in the top no. ten. No, 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 because he was behind Ben Roethlisberger. He wasn't even in the top twenty. I don't think. No, he wouldn't have been in the top twenty. But I guess that's where they were watching. And you were saying that on Instagram, everybody thinks that AB's going to the Panthers yeah, now? Yeah, like there was a bunch of uh, Carolina fans that would comment on the video and be like, we're getting AB soon, like we finally we're got a receiver. How many, how many more years does he have in his contract? Like three? Yeah. Four? Something soon. like that? Soon. So, soon. I bet you AB, I will make this bet to you, AB is a stealer longer than Cam Newton is a Panther. Okay. Hmm. I think they're going to stay in the same place for their entire careers. So okay. does it become now who plays longer? Like AB. No, we don't have to think about it okay. that much. Don't worry about it. Oh, let's play the other <laughs> A.B. bite here. This is all about, but by the way, this is, I think, also about, is this about Le'Veon Bell, too? This is about, yeah, it's about, yeah. this is about whether or not Le'Veon Bell should get paid because, you know, there was this theory out there that Lev is asking for as much as A.B. And the voice that you hear at the end is Jalen Ramsey of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's a guy you want to be around. You know, ultimate competitor. Uh, he takes it ultimately serious, getting his body in top fitness condition. Top fitness uh, he's condition. an amazing guy to be around. You know, that's one of those relationships and one of those teammates where you know it's special. You, know, you count on him and excited to see what he's going to do. you excited to see what shape he's going to be in. And uh, it's, just, it's just great to be around him. You know, he's one of those guys that make everyone around him better. 
And uh, when I'm in that huddle, I know I can look to him and know we're going to make something happen. Yeah, Stillers, pay that man. Because <laughs> if y'all don't pay that man, we triple team in this man right here. He's infectiousness. Give me that one again. Give me that one one more time. Well, Le'Veon Bell's a juice. Uh, you need juice. You know, I drink juice first thing when I get up in the morning, on juice. And when the game gets sick and it's on the line, I'm in the, back, I'm in the other said, juice, we need you. Juice, you got the bag of oranges. And he's a guy who's affectionate. It's not infectious. It's affectionness. It starts uh, with affectionness. the Affectionness. So does that mean kind then? Is that what that means? Kind? Like his affectionness. Affectionness. Oh, AB's got his own language and we're all just a part of it. And I hope they enjoy it in Carolina. 412-922-2874. I will step aside a little bit early here. Uh, we're going to get Josh Getzoff on the phone next. We'll talk Penguins with him. And then, uh, Tom, you're going to answer as a straight white male, as a shamed straight white male, you will answer all of these shaming questions from Deadspin about greatest of all time. Okay, I will shame you with your answers about who your proper answers should be if you were woke. Because you are not woke. You need to be woke to answer these questions. That's next. Back at the Crowley Show, Tim Benz with you. Uh, we will determine how woke Tom is with the uh, Deadspin Goat article in just a little bit. Do that before the top of the hour. Josh Getzoff joins me right now, though, from the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. You can catch him doing play-by-play and other duties for the Pens. And he comes on right now on your flagship for the Pens on the AM side, as well as on 105.9 The X. Josh, how are you? Tim, what's going on? Great to talk to you. Were you down in uh, Dallas for the draft? I was not, actually. Did not go down there. It was, uh, I missed it, but um, followed it from afar, just like all of us back up here, I'm sure. What was your reaction to how Mike Sullivan handled the Phil Kessel questions? I didn't really have much of a reaction to it, to be honest. I know he was uh, obviously seemed a little agitated in the video that was posted on the Penguins' website. He looked like he was a little annoyed with the um, thoughts that had been put out there about his relationship with Phil. But I can say, you know, in the dealings that I've had with Coach Sullivan with our radio show and everything, he only speaks uh, from a professional perspective about the two of them and how they uh, work together. And obviously there are differences. I don't think there's any uh, relationship that's perfect in the National Hockey League between player and coach, and I think that's clearly been shown in this instance. But at the same time, I mean, I, I think that the Penguins realize what they have with Phil, uh, and he probably realizes that his best chance to continue winning is to stay with this team as far as what the options are out there. So I think that that was good of him to, to do that and you know, kind of put a lot of those thoughts to bed, at least for the moment. Let's talk about the premise as to why there's an alleged conflict, whether or not it exists or not. Let's just talk about the X's and O's that seem to have spawned the conversation, and that is the desire that Sullivan clearly has to have three balanced lines and Kessel being a key component to being the guy on that third part of the balanced line equation, as opposed to him potentially playing with Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby. Uh, what do you think is the smarter move going forward for the Penguins in 2018-19? Well, I mean, it kind of comes with an asterisk as far as how they handle the next couple of weeks, uh, and for that matter, this weekend in general. But um, it, it really depends on what they have as far as forwards are concerned, because I think if you're looking at the current group, I mean, the best option is probably to do with how they finished last season, with having Phil and Gino and, and sit on separate lines, because I just do think that that distribution can pay dividends. Now, obviously, last year you're talking about, especially in the series against Washington, Malkin's clearly banged up from the Philadelphia series. Broussard was hurt from essentially uh, late March on, 
throughout the postseason. So, I mean, you're talking about your, your second and third line centers that are first and second line centers on most teams in the NHL, not at 100%. And that's obviously going to hurt things as far as the Penguins are concerned and their depth is concerned. But I think the best mode is to go with the three of them on three separate lines. Now, I can understand in-game Mike Sullivan doing his adjustments and, and slotting Kessel up with Malkin and, as we've seen time and time again, moving guys up and down the lineup to try to find things and, and maybe ignite the team if they're trailing within a contest. But if you're talking about from the opening puck drop, what's the best approach for this team, I still think it is those three guys on three separate lines because as well as Gino and Phil played together in moments last year, I think a lot of people forget that when Broussard went down, he seemed to start be starting to find his stride, and he did so uh, with Phil Kessel as his winger. So I think that there's still a potential there that that can work. I know that was an extremely small, small sample size, uh, but that's what training camp's for. That's what these preseason games are going to be for, and if everyone's back, uh, it'll be an interesting storyline to watch, that's for sure. Josh gets off from the Penguins Radio Network here with us. Tim Benz in for Adam. Josh, uh, if they were to both be healthy, Kessel and Broussard, will that work better next year in the sense that, like, it, I know they were both injured, but did you see some sort of um, yin to the yang that didn't work that isn't going to be cured by health? Like, is there a bad match there between Broussard and Kessel that can't work even if they are healthy next year? Well, I definitely think that there's a potential it wouldn't work. I just, from what I saw in that, in that small, like I said, small sample size, we're talking, I mean, when Broussard was at, quote, 100%, it was mm-hmm. essentially two weeks, right, that he right. was really going for the Penguins. So it's hard to, to gauge where he's at as far as where, how he could slot in and how he could have success in the lineup. But I think uh, when you look at Phil, I mean, clearly he played through something down the stretch. That's obvious, and, and that's been acknowledged. So I don't, I don't know if it's fair to gauge what him and uh, Derek were doing in those final you know, three, four weeks of the regular season and into the postseason. Now, with that being said, I do think that Broussard is a guy that has to make some adjustments if he's going to play with Phil. I, I think that's more of it. I mean, you're looking at a guy that, as I mentioned, he's, he's used to being a top-two centerman. He's used to playing more minutes and more situational time. And with the Penguins, you know, he's a third-line center, and Mike Sullivan's got to figure out a way to get him more than 15 minutes a night, more than 16 minutes a night, and ditto for Phil Kessel. He's going to be playing on that line. Uh, it's, it's part of the embarrassment and riches that the Penguins have up front, but at the same time, it's got to work in fluidity to get these guys going in cohesion and get them moving offensively. And I thought that they really hit a rough patch there towards the end of the regular season, and some of that had to do with injuries. Some of that maybe had to do with, with the, the lack of you know chemistry that may have been there between the two of them. But that's going to be something to watch because I wouldn't be surprised if they start together next season. I mean, I, if they're all together, like I said, if, if everyone's back and there's no changes on that front, then I wouldn't be surprised if Kessel and Broussard are on that third line. You have Malkin and Crosby centering the first and second line separately. And, again, I think that's the best way for the Penguins to approach next season on the offensive attack. What did you think of the Russ contract today? I loved it. I think uh, I think I've talked to you about this before, Tim. But Brian Russ is, in my opinion, I mean, you go through the big names. You go through, you know, Crosby, uh, Latang, Malkin, Kessel, those kind of guys. I think when you get to that second tier, as, as far as forwards are concerned, Brian Russ is the most irreplaceable guy. I mean, he is up and down the lineup. He can play the first line wing. He can play the fourth line wing. We've seen him on the uh, penalty kill. We've seen him um, on the power play at times. Uh, he obviously has extreme versatility up and down the lineup, but the biggest thing with him that you notice right off the get-go when he's back is his speed because he, uh, he can really help the Penguins play the game they want to play. And I think you actually notice it more when he's not in the lineup 
just how much they're missing that on one of those wings when he's not there and, and the lineup starts to trickle down throughout the game. So uh, he's definitely a guy that uh, I think the Penguins obviously clearly had pinpointed as someone who's going to be a big part of the future for them and someone that they had to lock down and, and get going as far as their group is concerned right now. So I think it's a big move for them, and I'm interested to see how it plays out for him because, you know, as far as Russ is concerned, he's had his big moments. He had a career year points-wise last year, assists, I believe 25 assists, 38 points last year for the Penguins in 68 games. So not a bad uh, season for a guy that was, you know, mostly used deeper in the lineup. Uh, I think there's obviously the hope that they move him up and have more success as a result of that. And then also it's about Brian starting to perform more in the regular season and having more of those moments in the regular season goal-wise than we've seen in the postseason as well. Shahan, Sherry, and Haglin. Of those three forwards, who do you think is back with the Penguins next year, if any of them? Yeah, that's a tough, that is a tough question. I mean, I would say Hagelin is, is the most likely, in my opinion, to be back be, for two reasons. One, because of the stuff I just mentioned with Brian Rust. I think he can do the same exact stuff. And Mike Sullivan, as we've said, and as he's told us, uh, never wants too much of that in his lineup, so I could see that being most likely. Uh, Shane, I do think the Penguins really want to bring him back. It's a tough situation with how they are with the cap right now, because after the Rust contract, it's just a shade over $5 million in cap space. And when you look at Shane, not to say that he's going to command a ton of money, but if they would have went uh, and qualified him and potentially would have had some contracts dispute in that sense, it could strap them as far as the cap is concerned going into unrestricted free agency. So I understand the move there. I do think Jim Rutherford really wants to bring him back because, and I'm sure you would agree, Tim, but this is the guy that I thought was the most effective of all the guys Jim Rutherford traded for last year uh, as far as his moves were concerned. Riley Shan was by far the most impressive uh, and most seemingly strong fit uh, on this Penguins roster when he came over from Detroit earlier in the season. So, you know, I, I think that that's a guy that I would be really excited if the Penguins could bring him back because I think he has a lot of potential there, uh, definitely a good depth centerman. It's just a matter of does he see himself as a fourth-line center because if all the guys that are on the roster right now come back, Riley Shane's the fourth-line center. So if he's okay with that and he wants to move on with that, I think the Penguins would be happy to have him. But obviously balls in his court as he now potentially goes into unrestricted free agency or does go into unrestricted free agency. And then Sherry, I mean, He's going to be the topic of trade rumors just because of his contract. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, the, the cap space being a little limited for the Penguins right now, he's going to continue to be as July 1st approaches just because there's going to need to be some wiggle room for some of the guys that are out there uh, for the Penguins to try to maybe make runs at and take uh, attempts at bring to Pittsburgh. So I would say Haglund's probably, in my opinion, the one who's most likely to be back, mainly because he's under contract. Uh, and then uh, Cheyenne would probably be next, and then we'll see with Sherry just as far as his contract is concerned. But, you know, I do think that Connor Sherry is a guy that can still produce in this league. He just definitely had uh, a bit of a, a down year all around last season. Josh gets up from the Penns Radio Network here. They want to apparently, Josh, trim the minutes for Chris Letang. How do they do that? That's uh, That was interesting to hear Jim Rutherford say that, and then obviously what the uh, corresponding moves are going to be for this team because, you know, I look at it, and there are some defensemen out there as far as free agency that I think wouldn't be too expensive for the Penguins to, to potentially take a look at. One guy I like is Dylan DeMello, who uh, San Jose did not qualify. Uh, 25, 26-year-old defenseman, I believe he's a right-handed shot. 
But the, the thought with that is, okay, so you add him, what are you doing with Ruido and Hunwick? And those are two big decisions for this team on the blue line because I think if you're going to downgrade with Tang to 24 minutes a night, obviously a lot more falls on Brian Dumoulin, who I think we all think is capable of handling more based on how he performed last year. But when you look at your fifth and sixth defensemen, you're going to have them kind of fluctuating in minutes. You're going to have to have nights where those guys play 17, 18 minutes a night and have to be productive in those minutes. But then there are going to be nights where they play 12 and 13. And uh, it takes a different kind of player to play those kind of minutes. Is Matt Hunwick that guy? Is Chad Ruedel that guy? I mean, that's the Penguins' decision to make. But I think Ruedel's been pretty productive for this team since he's come on board. Uh, His contract extension last summer was kind of a uh, result of what he had done so far. And as far as Hunwick is concerned, I actually still think there's good hockey left in him. It was a it was a tumultuous year for him coming on board last year, and uh, he had the concussion early in the season, which I think really derailed him as far as just getting comfortable here and and getting on track. Uh, I believe that was pretty much all of October he missed after that concussion early in the season and came back mid-November and never really found his stride with his team. But, again, that's another guy that from a training camp, from you know workouts off ice with his teammates and all that kind of stuff could benefit. Uh, from, you know, year two here in Pittsburgh. And um, I'll be interested to see how that plays out. So there are options, uh, whether it's free agency or in-house, but you're definitely going to need to find guys that are comfortable with the fluctuating minutes. And I think your third pair looms a little bit larger if you're saying you're going to bring Latang down to 24 minutes just because of those guys, as a result, logging more minutes. As it relates to their opening night backup goaltender, who do you see it being? Is it Jari DeSmith or someone who's not yet on the roster? That's a good question, too. Um, you know, I think as far as the backup is concerned, the best option is Jari. If, if you're going to look at how the new NHL is and how things are structured right now, I think it's been pretty much proven that we no longer look at goaltenders as, oh, this guy has to play 65 games, has to start 65 games a year, right? I don't think anyone looks at a starting goaltender as that anymore. And if they do, those are usually the goaltenders that are burnt out by the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I think a more realistic number is in the like 60, maybe high 50s that you have your starter appearing. And that still leaves 25-ish games for a backup. And I think that's plenty of work for a guy like Jari. The, The big concern for him uh, that I know in talking with some people last season was more of the mental game between starts for him, trying to just stay focused. And it's tough for a young goaltender when you maybe go six or seven games without seeing the net to jump in all of a sudden and face a team potentially with your group on the second half of a back-to-back or after a, you know some travel or whatnot uh, that you have to jump in and play. And I think that that's easier said than done, and it takes a different kind of mindset to do that. Now, Jari, as I said, skill-wise, talent-wise, he's the best option to go in there. I wouldn't be surprised if they tap in the free agency waters. But, Tim, as I'm sure you've done the same as I have, you look at the names out there, and, I mean, are any of those guys really worth bringing right. in here to, to see what's what's out? I mean, that's my thing. You have two guys in house, and DeSmith and Jari, and uh, you, you look at that, I think, as your best options. If, if Jim feels otherwise and wants to go out and maybe make a run at a Carter Hutton or a run at a Yaroslav Halak or something like that, obviously those guys will be there for the taking, but, I don't know if that's the best situation. Uh, I do think there's something to be said for maybe bringing a veteran in to push Matt Murray a little bit. But at the same time, I think if you're looking from a talent perspective, Murray and Jari is probably your best bet as far as starting next year. Finally, Josh, the question of the night. have What is the last Meryl Streep movie you have ever actually seen or enjoyed? Oh, man. That is putting me on the spot. Uh, Meryl Streep. I, all I can think about is that gift from the uh, Oscars with her. That doesn't count. That wasn't a movie. 
Yeah, I know. That wasn't a movie. Did you see the post? I'll let you off with the post if you saw the post. You know what, Tim? I'm embarrassed to say I haven't seen that, but it's on my list to see. I don't know. I I can't think of a Meryl Streep movie. Does that make me a bad person? It does, actually. Okay. It does. I'll take it. Because she's a treasure, and you should know. (laughs) <laughs> All right, Josh. I'll text you later. You can read it on the air. That's what you got. You got plenty of flights coming up. You got plenty of time to watch every street movie ever. Okay. That's true. I'll start to download on Netflix now. Thanks, Josh. All right, thanks, Tim. See you. Right, that is Josh Getzoff from the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. It, it does make him a bad person, Tom. If you don't know a street movie, then obviously he is acting. Are you ready for the goat goat list? Yes. Okay. If you're just tuning in, Deadspin put out a goat goat list, which is the greatest of all time, greatest of all time list. And it's not just sports, it goes on to other things as well. Did you notice, by the way, as we're making fun of this, they didn't even put golf on there? They didn't put golf, they didn't get the Tiger? I, I didn't, or well, if, Nichol- I, if they, Nicholas? I missed, no, yeah, Jack Nicholas, right? Or Tiger. Or they Tiger. Go, they'll go with Tiger, though, because you know Tim. Well, no, 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 because Tiger did what he did. He's a womanizer. Oh, I, how could I forget? So if he's a womanizer and you can't name him the greatest of all time. So you go VJ Singh. Pretty much. Yeah. That's the next step. I don't know. But you can't you can't go. Jack's way no. too mainstream. Or Arnold, no. no, way too mainstream. Come on. All right. Uh, so, are you ready to go here? Do you agree with their? They read right off the top, gave you the three straight white males right away that you can go. You're allowed to go with Ruth, Brady, Gretzky. Do you agree with them? I agreed with Gretzky and Brady, but not Ruth. Mary okay. Bonds over Ruth. You're wrong on all three. Uh, it's for hockey. It's Cami Granado. For baseball, it's Jessica Mendoza. We all know that. Oh, and for football, there is no right answer because football's evil and too many people get concussions. Okay? There is no goat. This is, this, if you're woke, these are the answers that you would give. Okay, tennis. They say Serena. I'd say Nadal. Nadal more so than Federer? I'd say Nadal. Okay, um, the correct answer is Serena, then Venus. You have to put them both in there. You have to put them both in there. All right. Basketball. And this is this is what really got me fired up about this. People are just tuning in. What got me mad about this is they feel the need to just say tennis is Serena, but then they will differentiate between men's and women's basketball. Uh, their answer was Jordan or LeBron. Please don't make me choose. Oh my God, that's disgusting. They actually put that in there. Ugh. And then basketball, they said Tamika Catchings for women. I don't even th- think they got the right girl. No. Isn't it Dina Tarazzi or, or Lisa Leslie? Or Lisa or, Leslie? I would say Cheryl Miller over all of them. Cheryl she, Miller? Yeah, Reggie Miller's sister. She played at USC. Won yeah, 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 but there's no WNBA back then, I yeah, guess. Yeah, but she right? won gold in the Olympics. That's true. I mean. What about Tina Thompson? Wasn't Tina Thompson better than Tamika Catchings? I think there's a lot of players that are better than Or did she players. just like get a lot of points because she was tall? <laughs> That's probably the case. Yeah, see, I don't even I'm think... I'm not familiar that they, well with they, WNBA players, though. Their woke answers aren't even right. All right, soccer, Ronaldo, Ducks. As in someone's like going to swing at him or something, uh. I guess. Again, again, yeah. Because right. of the messy? Because they didn't say messy? I don't know. Or... Maybe. I don't know. You tell me. You're the soccer I aficionado. Um, I think th- there's no wrong answers when there's soccer, actually, Tom. There's no such thing as a wrong answer. Because if you care about soccer, especially when those Americans aren't in it, then you're woke. Then then you're all right. You can say anyone. Like anybody from Iceland. Right answer. Right answer. Acting. Oh, well, we know it's Streep. Yeah. Who's, who's the second best female actress of all time? There isn't one. It's just Streep again, right? It's, it's her shadow. It's Meryl first, then what? Streep second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rock. They say Elvis. I'd say Elvis. Uh, the Beatles. The right answer is Jimmy Page. Their answer should be <laughs> Janis Joplin. 
That's a very woke answer. Yes, Janis Joplin. Yeah. Or Pat Benatar. Now, country, of course, they said nobody. That's stupid. Because straight white males like country. Now, I actually think they're right about that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't come up with one anyway at all. I mean, I like, does Carrie Underwood still count? Carrie Underwood counts. Jo, um, Johnny Cash? Sure, Johnny, Johnny Cash. Cash. All right. But, I mean, but like, he's straight and white male, so. Yeah, but he's grizzled. Oh, he's hardened. Yeah. He came from tough times, you know. And then lastly, this just sort of personifies everything that they're about. Hip-hop, not Eminem. You know what my answer would be? Eminem. Your answer would be Eminem? Eminem yes, it would, my answer would be Eminem. That's just such it's a just, classic Deadspin it answer. It is, though. isn't Not it, though? Eminem. Like, is that, like, if you could personify Deadspin in one post, it would be, this is the goat, goat, goat Deadspin list of all time right here. Doesn't get any more Deadspin than this. Nope. All right. Uh, Adam's back on next Monday. Monday. I'm back tomorrow. And uh, we have more beer to give away. And then who's in on Thursday or Friday? Wes Euler from Philly. Wes Euler. Oh, this is his buddy from West Virginia and then Philadelphia. Philly. Yep. Did you see the thing with Aaron Judge and the Philadelphia fan? The little kid playing catch? Playing catch. It was awesome. It was really nice. Yeah. And the fact that it was a Yankee doing something nice with a Philadelphia fan. What's the next sign of the apocalypse? <laughs> They'll do it for us. We're back tomorrow.